Nation Podcast Network. A podcast that has risen from the dead, much like Lazarus of Bethany, ready to spit a season's worth of takes in your direction in 30 to 40 minutes. We are hyped. I am Jared Stormer of Maze and Brew. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, also of Maze and Brew, my hetero life mate. Andy, you majestic oxen on a field of golden barley. Football is back. How are you? I am so happy that we can spit takes about football because I was ready to dive deep into Golden Girls reruns and 2004 Michigan games, but baby, we are back. I could not be more excited. We were supposed to be breaking down a game from many moons ago, but instead, the Big Ten has seen fit to give us a season. It may not be a full season. It may be delayed. Uh, We may not get the entire team, but... I'll be damned if we're not going to have some Big Ten football coming in October. And honestly, the best news I've received in 2020. 100%. This is the best news we've gotten this year. This year has been awful. And a month ago, we were just clamoring, can we just get one Michigan game? Just give us something. Something to look forward to. College football has not been the same. I can't get as excited on Saturdays with these other teams playing when there's no impact on my team. Like, I was trying to go apple picking. It was better than watching... AAC games over and over again, but that's now behind us, man. We got a month ahead till the season starts, and it's going fast. I can't wait, man. I'd rather go garbage picking than watch Clemson Citadel again. I mean, I tried to watch some college football last weekend, but like you said, without any stakes, without Michigan really mattering in that picture, I can't get on board with any of it. I didn't care about any of the football happening. Now I do. Um, I will probably watch a few more games leading up to the season because now it makes a little bit more sense. See who else is in the playoff field. We can measure ourselves against some of the other teams. It really just opens up everything. And like I've said to you many times, so long as I have Michigan football to look forward to, I'll never be truly depressed. And uh, I'd like to thank you, Michigan and Big Ten, for pulling me out of the doldrums because this is exactly what we needed. Jared and I have kicked down the proverbial doors of depression, baby. We're back takes are gonna fly man let's let's get into this season i'm so excited i'm so excited man so uh we are officially coming back on october 24th is the set date if you hadn't heard already i don't know where you've been you obviously haven't been paying attention it is a limited schedule it is going to be eight plus one the schedule has been released and uh there could be some changes uh few games have been canceled due to COVID protocols, uh, Notre Dame, Wake Forest, most notably this weekend. So things could change. But as of right now, we are set to kick off against Minnesota at Minnesota on October 24th, uh, right before Halloween. I mean, this is I mean, this is great. And Minnesota is a team that we were expecting to see. They were on the schedule. This is a tough opener, but I don't know. What do you think about it? What are your thoughts on, on this schedule, this game? This is going to be one of the two hardest games on Michigan's schedule for sure. I have no doubt P.J. Flex is going to have this team ready to go. They're going to be fired up. They're just excited as we are right now just to have football. But Michigan's also going to be excited. And although it's at Minnesota, home field has never meant less in college football history because it's a state-by-state basis with how many fans are being let into stadiums. I don't know what the coronavirus situation is in Minnesota, but they're still going to be operating at limited capacity. So it's not as bad as it would have been, especially the weekend before Halloween. So I still feel pretty good about this. This is not as good of Minnesota team as they had last season. It's going to be tough. It's going to be challenging. and I think it'll be close. 
this is definitely going to be a close one, especially this Michigan team, very young Michigan team, especially on the offensive side of the ball. And But also there are some new guys coming in on defense in some critical spots. Minnesota brought back a lot of guys, also sent some guys to the NFL. Their quarterback is coming back, Tanner Morgan. Um, Rashad Bateman maybe or maybe not coming back. He would be a big boon for them. If he comes back, their offense is going to put up some points for sure. I think they'll put up points regardless. This is a good Minnesota team, as you said, and – I mean, we'll we'll touch on it as we go throughout this, but the Big Ten did no favors to Michigan in the schedule department because uh, opening at Minnesota is no cakewalk. Cakewalk and Joe Milton, baby, he's going to get thrown into the fire early on. This will be, I think, this could be a bit of a shootout with our young defense and their established offense. I'm all for that to kick the season off. A little shootout action in Minnesota. I'm for it. This game could also be freezing cold. To watch them go right into a cold weather game, you could be injuries could be on high alert here, having not played live football yet. Kind of like how you see in the NFL right now. No preseason, no warm-up into it. All these injuries are happening. So I hope everyone takes extra precautions to get ready, takes advantage of the full pad practices. Maybe a shootout in Minnesota to start the season, hopefully with a win. Sign me up. I could see it. FPI gives us a 58.8 chance for uh, 58.8 percent chance of victory in that one basically a coin flip but you got to like your odds there uh with a hungry hungry michigan team week two going or excuse me michigan state comes to ann arbor we have an 84.7 percent chance of victory according to the fbi and this this could be a blowout uh, mel tucker in his first year at michigan state uh, i like mel tucker he comes from my alma mater kind of did him dirty the way he left but I think eventually he'll be the coach for them, but not this year. This one could be ugly. Last year was a blowout. This year's going to be an absolute beating. Uh, second game of the year, we jump right into hate week right away on Halloween week. Oh, man. yeah, yeah that- It's, it's going to be Michigan by three touchdowns plus. I could see it. I think our offense is going to start humming. An, an interesting point about this entire season and everything with COVID, Michigan's been one of the few teams that never stopped practicing. A lot of teams did stop practicing. So Michigan could be very well oiled. And we still have a month until this game. Now, I don't know how the NCAA is limiting practices or how that looks. But from what I can tell, Michigan's been going at it for some time now. And they're feeling pretty comfortable with what they got. They are. From everything I've read as well, I'm seeing the same things. They never stopped practice. They stayed right on top of it. And I also think it's hilarious that we played Michigan State at home last year and beat them 44-10. to And now we get them at home again. 54 to three or this year. Yeah, maybe. I don't know. We'll see. But it, I love- uh, if, if it's 54 to three, I'm going to be very, very excited. But that's honestly not out of the realm of possibilities with how this Michigan State team has looked. Yeah, it's going to be rough for Michigan State. They're going to be a few years away from actually contending. So uh, week three, what do you got there, my friend? Take us through it. We're at Indiana, ranked number 18 in the FPI. And we're actually giving a given a less chance of beating them then Michigan is beating Minnesota. It's at Indiana, but like I said, home field, not that big a deal this year. And this makes no sense to me. Why is this a coin flip game at Indiana after Michigan handled them last year with basically abandoning the run and just letting Shea Patterson dice them up? This makes no sense to me. I think Michigan wins by 14 at least. Harbaugh is undefeated against Indiana, is he not? Correct. Even the uh, a couple games went to overtime. Michigan's never lost to him. Yeah, under Harbaugh. not with Harbaugh. Yeah, not with Harbaugh. Last year we fully handled that. Indiana does bring back quite a bit. They'll be a good team. I could see them being ranked 
this year. I could see them making a bowl game. Well, I mean, I, we'll see how bowl games work in this weird season. But Indiana is going to be good. But I do not get this coin flip at Indiana. Are you saying that Michigan and Indiana are essentially equally talented and equally as good a team? Because I will, I would strongly reject that. Yeah, Shea Patterson went 20 of 32, 366, and five tutties last year against them. Michigan handled them 39-14 on the road at Indiana. So it's at Indiana again with less of a crowd and potentially a more potent offense. But this is the game where Nico Collins, RIP, went crazy last year with six for 165 and three touchdowns. Yeah, that was the three-touchdown Collins game, yeah. He'll he'll be sorely missed, but we have weapons that can step up. We're going to talk about our predictions on the depth chart in the second half of this pod but yeah I don't I don't quite get what ESPN is predicting for Indiana good for them that they think they're going to be that good and but if we lose that one that will be a big surprise and could be a rough season if we lose at Indiana because it's doesn't get any easier from there when week four Wisconsin comes to town uh, they're number four in ESPN's FPI which once again seems high and we have a 22 percent chance of victory against Wisconsin at home when we've traded back and forth. And when we get them, we tend to blow them out at home. So I, once again, do not get this. We have a one in four chance of beating Wisconsin with Jack Cohn at the helm. And I don't know who's running the ball for him, but it'll be somebody good behind a bunch of dudes that collectively weigh more than my house. But regardless, what I think Wisconsin's way overrated, at least in this ESPN prediction. Nate, Way overrated. Number four, come on. Like I know the defense will be good. They'll have athletic linebackers at the second level like they always do. And you don't know who's running the ball, but guess what? It's not Jonathan Taylor. <laughs> not one of the best running backs in FBS history. Michigan and Wisconsin have traded wins back and forth now for a few years. Two years ago, Michigan throttled them 38-13. to That game was not very close, and Michigan really pulled away in the fourth quarter especially. So I don't understand this. Michigan will have revenge on the mind just like they did in 2018 in the Revenge Tour. And this theme will come up again in two more weeks when we touch on another game. But I don't understand the coin flip here. It's very strange. No, it, or not, not even the coin flip. I'm sorry, the one and four. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's less so. Yeah, once again, we're, we're on the same page there, Wisconsin being highly overrated. Are you telling me they're a better team than Oklahoma and Georgia? No, get out of here. That's, that's madness. Uh, week five, we get a bye week or we go to Rutgers. Same thing. 83.6% chance of victory. That's too low. <laughs> that's I can't believe it's under 90, to be honest. And I'm sorry, Rutgers is terrible. It's at Piscataway. Uh, big deal. Michigan. <laughs> Michigan by 30 plus. Yeah, we could travel to Borneo to play Rutgers. It's not going to matter. We're going to beat them by four touchdowns. So. That's really the only easy game we got because then week six, Penn State comes to town. I mean, this, there is just not a lot of let up in the schedule. We have a 28.6 per chance. I can't even say it. Chance of victory in that game. And once again, I find Penn State to be overrated. Number six in the FPI. Yes. I, I don't get it. No, this is right back to our point. I got touched on a second ago. It was we trade victories and with Penn State and Wisconsin. Two years ago, Michigan beat Wisconsin 42-7 to at home. And as many people remember, Donovan Peoples-Jones and other players were mocking Saquon Barkley's touchdown celebration. So, no, this team will be petty and motivated to blow out Wisconsin and Penn State. And I expect nothing less this season again. Like, I, I don't get the such low chance. It's at Michigan, but, you know, home field is what it is. But, come on. 28.6 that's crazy and Penn State's bringing back a lot of the same team they might lose Micah Parsons Pat Fryermuth has said he is coming back he's a very talented tight end he'll go first two rounds 
but we're going to blow out one of Wisconsin or Penn State. I don't know which one it is, but one of these two is going to be a blowout. Yeah, right now. I, I completely agree with you. Just saying one of those two, both of them would not surprise me. The, thus far in the schedule, Minnesota worries me the most. Yeah, of all the teams we've discussed, I would say Minnesota, especially first game of the season, Joe Milton behind a fairly new offensive line. We got a couple guys coming back. We'll touch on that, but definitely a young offense, uh, definitely some holes on the defensive end, some guys that are going to be plugged in to take the place of Ambry Thomas in particular. So I think those early games are much harder. I think by the time we see Penn State, we'll be rolling. Uh, week seven, Maryland comes to town. Our largest chance of victory, 91.5% chance. Maryland, uh, they're, they're a ways away if they're even going to get there under Mike Loxley. Do you remember last year after the first two weeks of the season and Maryland was averaging like 70 points, their offense was humming, and we're like, was Mike Loxley really the, the juice running the show and Gaddis was just riding his coattails and then the season played out like it did? We're like, oh, no, no, Maryland sucks. Okay, I got it. We were just children back then. How could we have known? We're just kids. Uh, we grew up so fast last year, but 91.5% chance, a higher chance than Rutgers? Crazy. That seems a little insulting to Maryland. It seems like they're giving more credence to the home field advantage or something. I don't know where they're getting these numbers, but I don't buy any of them. Um, week 8, the last game of the season. There will be a ninth game. They haven't quite determined how they're going to do that. It's going to be some type of crossover game likely. But Week eight's the big one. At Ohio State, in the shoe, Number one in the FPI, they didn't even give any sort of percentage on that, maybe because it's extremely low. It likely is. It's probably lower than any of the other percentages on there. This is the best team we will face. They're a juggernaut. They're bringing back everyone. We're going to need a miracle, but the shoe will not be the shoe that we're used to. It's a weird season. We've had a lot of time to practice. The prodigies at quarterback, who knows? We could have the combination of Cam Newton and Jesus at the helm, so that helps. Um, yeah, Ohio State's arguably the best team in college football on paper coming into this season. They are that good. They were very close to getting to the national championship game last season. Justin Fields and Ryan Day, that used car salesman of a head coach, are back. And yeah, as of right now, this Ohio State team should beat Michigan by three touchdowns. But coming into that week, a week after my birthday, Oh, yeah. I'm going to be drinking all the Kool-Aid. I'm still going to predict Michigan to win because that's what fans do. That's what fans do. I think I'm going to head home back to Ohio for that one. We'll see. It's uh, sometime in December, December 12th, if I'm not mistaken. Correct. Head home to watch that one uh, in the motherland. Uh, maybe cross over the border to the motherland. Excuse me. So let me know if you're interested. We can, uh, we can really uh, drink a couple beers and act like hooligans, just like last year. I mean, nothing ever changes with us. I mean, we were children last year, and, you know, deep down, it's still there. Yeah, yeah, no, nothing's changed. Absolutely not. So, overall, uh, and like I said, there will be a ninth game. Don't quite know what that's going to be yet. But overall, this has got to be one of the more difficult schedules in the country, even for the teams playing full schedules, because, I mean, they're playing Jackson State in the Citadel right now. So, I mean, it's not like they're doing anything of note. But as, as tough as you could make an eight-game schedule, this is about as tough as you could do it in one conference. So, once again, they're not doing us any favors. We had one of the hardest schedules in the country last year, and that remains the same. Oh, and Ohio State also has perhaps the easiest schedule you could get in the Big Ten. So the more Hey, they open up with Nebraska, Jerry. Oh, yeah. And they're trying to play that off now like it's a tough opener. It makes no sense. The Nebraska hype is worse than the Texas hype. It never dies. That's what I'm saying, but it never materializes. At least Texas will win a game or two. 
Texas shows up here and then Nebraska just, you know, they get all hyped up and they go six and six again. Right. Exactly. Uh, let's talk real quick. Actually, let me check our time. Let's take a quick break and then we will come back. We're going to talk the way this roster is shaken out and the way that we expect this 2020 football team to look. We'll be back. Welcome back to out of the blue. We are pumped up tonight talking actual football for a change rather than having to break down games that happened when we are in our teens. We've got real football and we just broke down the schedule a little bit the way that we see it. We'll get more in depth with it as uh, preseason content continues, but let's kind of talk about this team, what we expect to see on the field this year. Some big news that's come up in the last week. If you hadn't heard, you're living under a rock or you are dead. Joe Milton, will be the starting quarterback this year, the prodigy, the Cam Newton look like, the the colossus of Rhodes, the man amongst boys, Joe Milton, beat out Dylan McCaffrey from the sound of it fair and square, and if you'll believe some of the reports, it wasn't even close. So how are you feeling about this? Are you excited? Are you nervous? What's up? I am ecstatic. I am a little nervous, but if he won over Gaddis and Harbaugh the way he did and was just this dominant in practice, and I thought McCaffrey was sharp. He didn't start. This says a lot about their mantra of every position is a competition no matter what. Nobody's guaranteed to start. And you said off air, all summer long, McCaffrey's posting pictures of fishing. And Joe Milton's posting pictures of work. He's out there getting the reps in, throwing the ball, learning the offense. And this speaks volumes to that. I can't wait to hype him up. He is a man amongst boys, including ourselves. He is 6'5", 243 as of last season. I can only imagine he's gotten thicker and stronger since. I mean, those are Cam Newton numbers as far as size, but let's kind of pump the brakes on that a little bit. Cam Newton at Auburn was a cheat code. If we get that or even a little bit of that, oh man, watch out. I mean, but I do think, I really believe this, that whoever was going to win this quarterback competition would be the biggest difference maker Harbaugh had at quarterback since he's been there. I'm going to ride with that. Absolutely. And one good thing about Joe Milton winning this competition, he may not have the running ability McCaffrey does, but this dude is an absolute workhorse and he has the higher ceiling. I fully believe that. I mean, he's got Donovan McNabb, like he's got, I mean, who else? Andrew Luck type ceiling. It's crazy how good this guy could be. Yeah, he has the talent for sure. He's a very capable runner, an outstanding athlete. The arm strength was always there, just the accuracy. He could really work on that and Apparently he's done so, and in this kind of offense, that is, he's going to be a huge weapon with what he can do with his arm, his legs, the way he can stretch the field vertically with the deep ball. Now this, I'm, I can't wait, man. I'm really excited to see the steps he's taken and shown them in practice. I feel like people have been saying good things, but it's kind of been a little tight-lipped. So that makes me even more excited. It's like this is like the best kept secret in football right, right. now, and I, I'm, I, I'm here for it. I'm absolutely here for this. It's something we've been looking forward to since Harbaugh came here. We've been wanting to see his quarterback, his system. Granted, now on offense, it's a lot different than what he was initially trying to run here, but kudos to him. He's opened it up. Josh Gaddis, you proved everything I needed to see last year. Now you got a quarterback coming in that you believe in, that Gaddis, by all accounts, is blown away by this guy. And, uh, I mean, McCaffrey, it's it's a bummer. I hate to see him go. I was a big fan. Wherever he goes, I hope that he lands on his feet. I'm guessing he's going to go somewhere and start immediately. He's very good. But Joe Milton beat him out, and that's what we needed. Whoever won this, we wanted them to win by a mile because that shows that you've got confidence in your quarterback. And, man, I'm my feet are sweating just talking about it. Yeah, and there was no indecision. 
Like, Jake Rudock came in. There was a battle, and he took it decisively. But the next year in 16, Wilton Spate and them were in a battle with O'Corn, and Shane Morris was still around. And then in 17, again, it was a little up and down with uh, Spate, and then he got hurt. 18, Patterson wins it out. 19, we heard there was rumors that Patterson wasn't the clear favorite but got the job. The decisiveness that Milton got this has me really excited because that's not what's happened in Michigan past recently with under Harbaugh. But for them to come out and decisively say, yeah, it's Joe Milton, there's no second guessing it, it makes me want to run through a wall. <laughs> right. And usually if you're deciding between two guys, it doesn't mean they're both just out of control good. Like it's not like Chris Leak and Tim Tebow or something. It's usually because you're like, oh, I don't know. Is there much of a difference between the two? The fact that they see this difference in Milton, I think that he's going to be an absolute stud. I mean, maybe he struggles a little bit this year, but maybe if we get two years of this guy, I think he's going to be an NFL draft pick, an absolute stud, one of the best quarterbacks we've ever seen there. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and just put that out there, no cap. I love it, dude. Drink all the Kool-Aid we can. You know what's going to help him this season? Jalen Mayfield opted back into the season. Segway, our starting right tackle is back. Yes, this is huge, especially since he was one of the first guys to declare. And there was rumors, I don't know if this was true, but supposedly his dad said there's no way that door is closed. We're not coming back for eight games. And then he's the first guy to opt back in. And this is huge. Jalen Mayfield projected first rounder. Now we have two bookend tackles that you feel really good about. You can move Andrew Stuber inside. That helps solidify the interior of that line. And now you're only filling three positions. And you feel a lot better about this line. Joe, Mil Joe Milton excuse me, uh, should have a very clean pocket uh, at least. In, I mean, it might take some time for the interior. We don't know who's going to be at center yet. But you got to love what you have at the tackles in Hayes and Mayfield. Very excited about that. Feel excellent about that. He has all the trust in the world. Mayfield was incredible last season. Go back and watch some of his tape. They scheme Chase Young out of the game, but Mayfield has some one-on-ones with him and more than holds his own, which has proven hard for NFL players so far this season. Yeah, so, Chase Young is one of the best rushers in the NFL already, and Mayfield looked great against him, so I'm with you. Yeah, like this is outstanding news. Nobody's happier than Joe Milton. I can promise you that. Yes, absolutely. Even though he'll be on the right, won't be protecting the blind side. Doesn't matter. You like Hayes over there. He's a mountain of a man, too. So I think we've got two NFL tackles going in this year. That's great. Interior of the line, we'll see. But Nico, uh, Ambry, and Dylan McCaffrey likely out. Uh, we don't know yet. They might try and opt back in. I haven't heard much about it. Supposedly, there's been some talk with Ambry Thomas about it. Uh, there's been some talk between Gaddis, or at least a tweet at Nico Collins that I saw that uh, you know they're they're putting that out there like hey any interest in coming back of those guys who do you think we need the most I it, mean McCaffrey probably not obviously but yeah between Ambry and Nico it's Ambry Thomas hands down corner position okay. is not deep at all we really use his experience also a sure-handed returner at receiver under Nico we have tons and tons and tons of talent from Ronnie Bell through Giles Jackson to Mikey Sainer still to Cornelius Johnson to AJ Henning I mean there's a ton of talent there, not to mention Chris Evans. God knows what kind of weapon X he's going to be this season. But the mm -hmm. Ambry Thomas loss is going to expose a big hole on this defense, which already has some holes to fill. Yeah, if he comes back, I'm going to start buying the Kool-Aid on this season. Without him, I'm kind of you know hesitant because that's big. I mean, you lose a shutdown corner. Vincent Gray now becomes your number one corner. There's talk of Dax Hill moving over to corner. More on that later. But Ambry Thomas is by far the biggest loss. We can losing Nico. Look, there's nobody on the team that is six four and runs a four four five forty and can just go up and high point and just dominate. 
but we have guys that can get open. Uh, Ronnie Bell is a tremendous route runner. Giles Jackson is an absolute weapon X, an absolute stud. Like you said about Chris Evans, kind of the same thing. So unique guys, a little smaller, but quick, absolutely quick. Cornelius Johnson, AJ Henning, uh, be ready to step up. Your num- your name's going to get called this year sooner than you thought with Nico out, but Ambry's a big loss. No doubt about it. Uh, God, I hope he comes back. That changes the whole outlook. Yeah, I mean, that could swing the season because without him, it's Sammy Faustin, uh, one of the Greens, like I, who I speculate are the same person. I've never seen them both in the same room. So yeah. it's a it's a huge loss there. That one, that one comes back. That could swing a bunch of the games. That could swing a, a Penn State kind of game. That's what that could do for this team. Or Minnesota if Rashad Bateman comes back and Vincent Gray is supposed to cover him. Now, according to Don Brown, Vincent Gray is going to be ready for the NFL after this year. So if you believe that, that he's like coming up and coming up fast, that's excellent. And maybe that can help with that. But behind him, it's all just names. Nobody's really played. Uh, DJ Turner, maybe. Andre Selden looks like a dog, but he's a true freshman. So so we'll see. Um, so speaking of, of the rosters here, let's give our best guess of what we think these starting offenses are going to look like when they trot out against Minnesota on October 24th. All right, man, let's let's start let's start offensively. Let's run through let's run through the meat of this offense real quick. I want to start I'll run through the line. I'll let you do the skill players. You like that? Sounds great. Line left to right. This is easy work. This is Ryan Hayes, my boy who I've been on for a few years, starting left tackle. Left guard, the man, the myth, the missing legend Chuck Filiaga finally resurfaces, so that's good to see. I agree. At center, Andrew Vastardis. I think it starts Vastardis, but ends Carpenter. Oh, I like that. I'm going to – if Vastardis plays well, I don't think you break up the continuity of the team, but we'll see. That's true. That's true. That's true. Yeah. Net, moving into guard, Andrew Stuber, welcome yep. back. Locked in. And thank God, at right tackle, Jalen Mayfield. I think you nailed it right on the head. I don't have anything. The only one that you'd consider would be Vastardis. Um, or me, but I, from everything I hear, Vestardis and Filiaga look good. That That's the biggest question mark is at center. Like I think Filiaga is going to be just fine, especially next to Ryan Hayes. Very athletic. It's just that, that interior working together, just the continuity, the nuance, the chemistry of it. That's going to really tell the tale here, but this offensive line compared to what this team had in 2016 is night and day. Oh, absolutely. Not going to be as strong as last year's offensive line i don't think at least not early on but do they have the potential to be better they certainly do with potentially a first round right tackle in there and ryan hayes we're both very high on so andrew stuber looked great at tackle he's kicking inside i feel fine about that he's big for a for a guard position but whatever this i would love to see the biggest offensive line in the country because this michigan line is top five it's huge. It's huge with Mayfield, Hayes, and, and Stuber alone. Filiaga's massive. He's like 350 pounds, too. Yeah, he's like 6'6", 350, and Stuber's like 6'7", 330. It's like those are the guards. That is outlandish. That is big. Anwenu is big, too, and Anwenu's showing out for the Patriots, so good for him. Um, all right, skill positions. We already know quarterback. We already touched on it. The prodigy, Joe Milton. Very excited about him. At running back one, I'm going to say it's Zach Charbonnet. Running back two, I'm going to say Chris Evans. RB3, Hassan Haskins, and then you will probably see Blake Corum at some point. Tight end one, any any disagreement there in that order? I think Haskins is two. I think Evans is going to be a hybrid, like kind of like an X-back, like Curtis Samuel. 
I I see where you're coming from, but I think it's going to be Evans. I think they'll run him a little bit more between the tackles than you might expect. They did back in the day, at least before Gattis arrived. Do not remind see, me of that time in my life. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm fine with it either way. They're all going to get a lot of touches, but we both agree Charbonnet uh, running back number one. Yes, uh, yeah, wide 100%. receiver, hundred percent. Wide receiver number one is Ronnie Bell, hundred percent. I won't accept anything else other than that. Wide receiver two is Giles Jackson. Uh, wide receiver three, I think they're going to want to get Cornelius Johnson involved a lot, but Mikey Sainer still is going to play a ton. So three and four, Cornelius Johnson, Mikey Sainer still some order there. Sainer still probably a little bit more in the slot. Giles Jackson coming from all over the field, doing all sorts of crazy stuff. Very excited. Giles Jackson breakout of the Big Ten this year. I'm I'm with all all the receiver stuff you said is dead on. Uh, Sainer still has the experience, a little edge there. Johnson Johnson could take over late, and it's tied in. Like who's going to argue Eric All? Come on! Like we saw the potential last season, how high they were on him. Uh, Nick Eubanks, I will argue that. I think Nick Eubanks is going to be one of our biggest threats. I was saving him for last because we need a big target. I think Nick Eubanks has a big year. Ooh. Something I've been the more tape I watch, the more I think Nick Eubanks could have a very big year for us. I'm high on Nick Eubanks. I think Eric All passes him. I I really do. I, I think Eric All uh, Eubanks has a hard time staying healthy as well, and I think Eric All the way they utilize them as a like impromptu fullback and moving around the line, I think he takes over. Very, very interesting. We disagree on this one. Uh, we shall see how it plays out. I'm big on Eric Hall. I think he's going to be great, but I think Eubanks is set up for a big season here for us. Either way, uh, they're not used as much in the Gaddis offense, but still having an athletic tight end and having a big target for Joe Milton, I think is going to be key because he's got a cannon for an arm. The dude has a rope. So some of these balls could maybe be floating going over heads early on in the season. So having a big target could be helpful, but Either way, I'm fine with either one. Uh, moving to the defense, best guess. Uh, you want to start us out? You want me to start it out? I'll, I'll start us out again. Uh, this one we might have to work together a little bit on because some of these, there's some gaps here. It's not like right. last season. <laughs> right. <laughs> All right. Uh, I'm going to, a defensive line I feel like is pretty set in stone. I feel like it's Aiden Hutchinson, Carlo Kemp, Chris Hinton, Quiddy Pay. Yes. Yes, I would say that's absolutely who it is. Um, who are the next guys off the bench, though? At let's think, Luigi Valane. The truthers think, are out there. He's he's I one think, of the names. I think so. Don Brown posted something the other day that he was the best performing player in practice on the defense. And Don Brown, if he says something, I tend to believe him. So if Valane's out there healthy and he's rushing the passer, that could be big. He's out there. Let me think. Who else? Uh, I don't know where Braden McGregor stacks up as a freshman right now. Then there's coming off a knee injury too. Exactly. So, I mean, uh, Ojabo probably above him. Ojabo, oh, yeah. Ojabo for sure. Taylor Upshaw's out there. Uh, the German kid. He's been the project for the last 15 years. He's still there. Uh, interior. I'd say Donovan Jeter's the backup and uh, Mozzie Smith. Yep. Yep. I agree with all of that. Be interesting though. There's potentially some studs at the defensive end position behind our absolute bookends in Pay and Hutchinson. So, if there's going to be a strength to this defense, I expect it to be edge rusher. A hundred percent. The tandem of Hutchinson and Quiddy Pay, Salt and Pepper, is as good as you're going to find in the Big Ten, especially. I think Aiden Hutchinson is, is prime for a big year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. I think they're both going to have big years, and I mean, Aiden Hutchinson's going to have quite a choice ahead of him about going to the NFL because they're going to be watching. He is monster. He is just huge. Yeah, I'd right. love to watch practice Aiden Hutchinson and uh, Joe Milton running into each other because they're the same size almost. Except Aiden Hutchinson's got a few more pounds, but they're looking eye to eye. 
Right. That's like dividing by zero. I can't even, I imagine the field would just open up and swallow everyone when they hit. Dividing by zero. <laughs> <laughs> uh, quarterback. Cornerback is interesting. Uh, Vinny G, Vincent Gray, is one of your starters. Go ahead and lock that in. If Ambry Thomas comes back, it's Ambry and, and Vinny G, as we said. I'm going to go DJ Turner at the other one based on nothing. Um, <laughs> I mean, I've heard the name a few times. I'm not hearing a lot of names of corners that are stepping up behind Vincent Gray, though, which is concerning. Yeah, I, I'll i just say Sammy Faustin for sake of variety here. I think it's going to be one of those two. And like I said, one of the green kids could make an appearance, but although I still think they're the same person. <laughs> There's no way of proving otherwise. Uh, yeah, I think we'll we'll see probably a lot of guys, and we, a lot of guys might get a shot out there unless someone separates over the next month. But that secondary second corner position is a concern. It's been in years past. It seems like we always have one guy we can trust, and then we'll see. That's That's pretty consistent with Harbaugh defenses. So I'm not too worried, but... Ambry Thomas changes the whole outlook of this defense. Um, the other option at cornerback, and I'm believing the hype here, is that Dax Hill moves over to corner. How would you feel about that move? I would absolutely love that move because that changes the equation entirely. I would much rather have a hole at safety than a hole at cornerback. I feel like you can h cover up the hole at safety a little bit easier, and I also think we have more talented safeties than we do corners on the depth chart. Yeah, I mean, safety is a rough spot to have a true freshman because it's your last line of defense. But at the same time, I 100% agree that our depth chart at safety is much stronger than at cornerback. And if you feel good about Makari Page or Jordan Morant, I've heard good things about both of them, and they're ready to step in, then I think you make this move. I think you go Hawkins, who's got one of the safety spots locked down, and you go Makari Page or Jordan Morant, and then you move Dax Hill to corner. And now I feel a whole lot better. Like you said, that changes the equation. That is all of a sudden extremely athletic secondary. Brad Hawkins, we're both picking to break out in the Big Ten. I think he's going to be an all-second Big Ten or a Big Ten all-second team I, I, or maybe even first team. Wouldn't surprise me. Brad Hawkins is going to have a big year. Yeah, Brad Hawkins is easily the, the captain of the back end of this defense, maybe the captain of the entire defense. He's going to command them back there and can really help cover up some deficiencies in the other safety if it's not Dax Hill. But for all – sakes and purposes right now Dax Hill is the other starting safety yep but if it goes that way I could see Hawkins Macari Page Vinny G and Dax Hill as your your four defensive backs uh who do you got at nickel Sammy Faustin probably Sammy Faustin's the other name that's been thrown around in the corners room a little bit and so I'm just gonna keep riding with my guy plus I love saying his name I'd like it's to I'll, I'll let you I'll let you go into our boy I think Andre Selden. I like Andre Selden at the nickel. He's an absolute dog. He's going to get on the field. And if he's going to get on the field, he's more suited for the nickel than Sammy Fawson. I think Sammy Fawson's like 6'1". Pretty big dude. Um, Andre Selden, very, very quick. An absolute dog in coverage. Stays right in your hip pocket. He's a guy we're both high on moving forward. Could be a little early for him, but if he does get on the field, nickel, I think, would be where he gets on the field. Yeah, he's the one that could like come on late in the season being a true freshman. But I... I'm all for – I'm taking all the Andre Selton hype. I watch his videos bodying some of the All-American safeties at the camps from last season just when he like, gets some motivation. Yeah, give me give me five foot nine dudes that want to eat the heart and soul of six foot four receivers. Give me that, dude. I'm fine with that. This, people like that are like who I surround myself with in everyday life, so this is great. I, <laughs> I love Andre Selton. Small, angry men. Yes, that's, I'm one of them, so I'm right with him. <laughs> 
Uh, Viper, any discrepancy here? I think it's Mike Barrett, but Jordan or uh, Anthony Solomon, excuse me, uh, getting a lot of talk. I think it's Mike Barrett, but it is closer now than I thought it would be. Solomon's easily the backup, though. Yeah, and we'll probably see some time. But yeah, Mike Barrett runs a four four five reportedly. That's a lot more speed. I mean, Jabril Peppers, obviously, at the Viper position was extremely quick, but faster than Kalik Hudson. Um, a little bit. I mean, you can't really compare him to Jabril. Never mind. Jabril was just a freak. But yeah. Mike Barrett could be very good at the Viper. I actually feel pretty good about this. I do as well. And uh, the linebacker core is going to be interesting this year because playing next to him, he's going to have Cam McGrone. The heart of the defense, I firmly believe he's going to maintain middle linebacker positioning after what he did last season. And I feel like Josh Ross is going to just kick to the outside. Yep, and I think I'm pretty happy with that linebacker core of Barrett, McGrone, Josh Ross. I feel pretty good about that. And with a, a strong starting front four, uh, the depth at defensive tackle is a bit of a concern, but you've got to feel good about your front seven. Yes, there's a lot of speed on this defense regardless, especially if Dax Hill plays the other corner. You got Cam McGrone and Mike Barrett and Josh Ross in the middle, and then we know how fast Hutchinson and Pay are. That could be one of the fastest defenses, and they're not giving up a lot of size like they did two years ago when they were a fast team. Right. Absolutely. And Josh Ross, people forget he was extremely talented, one of the hardest hitters on the team. So you've got him in there as your second best linebacker now with Cam McGrone, probably quarterbacking the defense. Um, him or you know, usually you don't see defensive linemen quarterbacking the defense. Carlo Kemp is definitely going to be a strong presence for us as far as leadership. But I think McGrone and Ross are going to be quarterbacking this defense personally. But that's more Hawk than half Rose. this defense has a lot of experience and more than one year. That's Hawkins, Ross, McGrone, Pay, Kemp, and Hutchinson. That Although there are holes around, around them, that experience is going to pay dividends this season. Vincent Gray played pretty much every game last year, too. Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm talking like most a lot of those guys have seen like more than one year almost besides like McGrone. But yeah, having Vinny G see that time last year. Come on, man. I love this. Yeah, no, I'm OK with it. Like we said, cornerback is a concern, but you move Dax Hill there and everything I've seen about Dax Hill says he could play the corner position. He's one of the fastest guys on the team and has corner cover skills. I mean, he was in uh, cor he was in coverage a lot last year, especially against Ohio state. And for the most part held up pretty well uh, on a lot of crossing routes and stuff. And people tried to pick on him, but I don't think that's going to happen at all this year. Cause he is an absolute stud wherever you put him. So uh, it, like you said, good mix of veterans and young guys on the defense. Yeah, very good mix, and you f they feel like that balance there can help overcome some of the inefficiencies around them. And yeah, Dax Hill got burned by Jerry Judy last year in the bowl game. Nobody cares. Jerry Judy's right. all-American talent, all-world talent. He's going to be just fine. You take your lumps as a true freshman, you learn from him, and I expect him to have a huge season. Yes, most definitely. I feel overall pretty good about this defense. Don Brown, this is it. As much as we are Don Brown fans, if there's another 60-burger put up on – Michigan by Ohio State, I don't care. I don't care what the excuses are because this is a solid defense. This should be one of the better defenses in the country, definitely in the Big Ten, probably the second-best defense in the Big Ten and top ten in the country. Easy. 100%. That means if this defense can't hold them to under 60, then, yeah, three years in a row of just getting, you know, pieced up by them in the most important game of the year, it's time to move on. I'm sorry. Right. Absolutely. None of us want that, but this is a strong enough defense that you should be able to contain them to at least 49, seven touchdowns, please. <laughs> That's a lot of touchdowns. That's a lot of points. Just under seven touchdowns, please. Please. Setting the over under. Uh, special teams real quick. 
this is going to be interesting. I think we see one of the talented freshmen kick returning. I think you could see like an AJ Henning and Andre Selden back there. They like to use the young guys. Yep, I could easily see that. Uh, punt returner, though. This is tricky. I'm going to throw out uh, a couple names because they've seen some action back there before. There's uh, Giles Jackson. There's Chris Evans. And yep. uh, Ronnie Bell has been used back there before as well. Yep. I think it's going to be Giles. I think he gives you the most punch. I think that as a sophomore, he'll be a little bit more reliable. Um, This dude is an absolute stud. We are both so high on Giles Jackson, but I'd be fine with any one of those guys. But I think Giles Jackson gives you the most game breaking ability at kick returner. I like where your head's at. I could see Giles Jackson, AJ Henning combo, Giles Jackson, Andre Selden combo. I think you're, you're right on the money there. Yeah. Jackson feel, I didn't even mention him at kick returner because I feel like he sharpied in after how good he was last season. We just need to talk about the other one since Ambry's gone. Right. Good point. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. But for me, you get Giles Jackson the ball as many times as you can. And just on offense, is it enough? Give it to him on special teams, too. Absolutely, man. And uh, moving to kicker, it's it's our boy. It's our boy. He's back. It's Quinn Nordine, the Nordine track. Yes, sir. The Nordine track who got back on track last year, still one of the strongest legs in the country. And if he gets whatever was growing inside of his head on his cerebellum removed, uh, which it looks like he did late in the season. Looks like that uh, he, he got his head right. This dude's an absolute stud at kicker and kind of like the kind of kicker that could be a game breaker like uh, Miami and Florida State have had in the past. Yeah, he had a 57-yard kick against Alabama in the bowl game. We once said this man could kick the ball to Canada but couldn't pick the province. And we we are still eating crow, although that was a good burn. <laughs> Yeah, it was a solid burn, and it's not like he didn't deserve the criticism. Some of the kicks he had in that rough stretch were among the worst kicks I've ever seen. Yeah, I, I don't want to say, I don't want to ask if he was trying or not, but it seemed that way. Yeah, I mean, I've seen some bad kicks. I've gotten drunk and stumbled into a Little League soccer game before, but that those were bad kicks. <laughs> I may have slept in a neighbor's treehouse one time, mistaking it for my own place, but yeah, no, those were bad kicks. <laughs> But yeah, I, I fully ex- expect Quinn Nordine to come in and win this job and be the kicker for the entire season. Just k- kicking is such a mental thing. Like if you can keep your head right, you know he has the talent and yeah, could be a game changer for us. It, fingers crossed he keeps proving us wrong. And lastly at punter, no con, no contest. It's Will Hart again. It's Will Hart, one of the best punters in the Big Ten. Pretty good special teams unit. Yeah, you feel really good about this unit overall. It's like, a lot of talents and good experience returning. The fact that Quid Nordine turned around, it's like, wow, a kicker we can hopefully rely on. If not, we still got Jake Moody sitting around. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, before we go, strength of the offense. Do we agree? Running back depth. Running back room. Strength of the offense. Yes, uh, uh, it is. I I also like our tackle depth, to be honest, because Stuber could move back and some of those uh, – sophomores or I guess redshirt freshmen from last year I really love but it's hard to beat four deep where you feel really good at running back yep I would say that that is number two is the offensive line especially with uh, Ed Wariner and his track record so I think that's correct I think it's running back offensive line wide receiver quarterback tight end yeah I'm with you quarter yeah quarterback's a little rough it's a little rough because we have no idea what Cade McNamara looks like no, supposedly he was edging out Dylan McCaffrey for the number two spot, if you believe a uh, report from Sam Webb. That that was the most surprising thing about that whole report. Not that Milton dominated, but that McNamara was uh, moving up well, over 
McCaffrey. Well, Cade already has one of the best names on the team. Cade McNamara? Come on, that's a movie name. For a quarterback, yes. If he played safety, it'd be like, eh, maybe not quite. Yeah, but a quarterback McNamara? Come on. That's money. Uh, strength of the defense. I would. I think we already said it. Defensive end, right? Defensive end and uh, the starting linebacker depth you brought up is more like stronger than I thought it was going into this. But you see all the names on paper. The depth a little bit concerns you, but there are four names there between Ross McGrone, Barrett, Anthony Solomon that you feel good about. And having four linebackers you're that confident in is really good. Yeah, and I'm hearing things about Nikkei Hill, Hill Green and Kalel Mullings, uh, young, young linebackers on this team too. So you feel good about the depth there. Yeah, it goes defensive end, linebacker, uh, safety. Safety tackle corner. Yep, probably so. And don't and forget Osman Savage, baby, at uh, linebacker what now. What a name. Your name starts with an O and your last name is Savage. Say less. Say less. You don't need to say anything. I'm in. Yes, I'm there. I am there. Take, gonna, take my I'm money. Gonna, I'm going to have a daughter so you can marry her. And he and Corum went to the same high school. Oh, nice. Very good. Yeah. So feel pretty good about this team overall, man. There's definitely some holes and it's not the best team on paper. We fielded in the Harbaugh era, but the recruiting is evident. There's talent all over the place. And really it comes down to if we have a difference maker at quarterback for the first time, this could be the best Harbaugh team. One thing that I will say, though, is the team that comes out of the tunnel in 2021 is going to be loaded. Yes, uh, that team is going to be nasty. I, I feel good saying I know this team is better on like just looking at it, I think they're better than 15. I think they're better than 17. We'll find out if they're better than 19, 18 and 16 are the ones we're weighing because 18's revenge tour and that 16 team. That's rarefied air. That's rarefied air if you can be that good, but. We are here for it regardless, my friend. I'm excited. This was exciting. So happy we got to talk about an actual Michigan football team and some games. Uh, we will be here with you for the rest of the preseason. Once a week, talking about whatever we see fit. Can't really break down the schedule, but we're, we're going to find time to fill it. We're going to talk about this team. We're going to talk about the schedule. We're going to make some predictions. And, man, we're just, we're just going to talk Michigan football, and it's going to be a cathartic experience. Football is back, baby. What else do we need? Nothing. Literally nothing. A woman? The love of a woman? No. No, no, we have we, Michigan football. No, we're fine. <laughs> Stay away. We'll go, fine. go apple picking on your own. Fine. <laughs> Never. I wouldn't. Wouldn't dream of it. All right, brother. Anything else from you? No, sir. Just go blue. That's going to do it for us on Out of the Blue. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Apple, iTunes, Spotify, follow us on Twitter at Maze and Brew. If you want to follow me, I'm at JStorm303. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go okay.